Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. And good morning again. Paul in for Carmen on this Wednesday morning. Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Hey, hey, don't forget, you have an opportunity this month to win Susie Larson, our good friend from the afternoons, uh, Susie Larson Live. She's got her latest book out, Closer Than Your Next Breath. Where is God when you need him most? We're focusing on God's presence and wanting us to draw closer to him. And so that's been a main theme this month here at Faith Radio. But we're also giving you the opportunity. Thanks to W Publishing, we have like 100 copies of this book to give away. All you have to do is go to our website, myfaithradio.com. You have to do this at our website, myfaithradio.com, to sign up for an opportunity to win one of those copies. I know, we live so much of our lives online right now. And it, okay, you, you, maybe you're trying to set up an account with. I don't know, some news page or a bank or whatever. You're doing that and you go through all the stuff and then what pops up? A CAPTCHA. You know what those are? Those those little things that I want to test. Are you a robot? Because, you know, a lot of companies don't want these fake accounts, especially when you're dealing with financial and other important stuff like that. They don't want the fake accounts because that causes problems. And so they ask you to identify that you're not an, a, a robot uh, not a bot by, okay, there's a picture and there, it's divided up into like nine panels and you click on all the panels that have, say, a picture of a bike or a portion of a bike on it. Okay, right? Because that's going to stop the bots, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. University of Irvine researchers found out that <laughs> they've trained the bots. They are actually better and faster than humans at cracking these online puzzles. So... Uh, I don't, they'll have to find another way, but the uh, CAPTCHAs just are not uh, capturing the bots. And uh, anyway, something you can do if you have time this morning, or maybe you want to do this during your lunch break, go online, Google James Webb NASA Ring Nebula. Ring Nebula, as you want, because the James Webb telescope. Space Telescope is just, they just released NASA these beautiful pictures of the Ring Nebula. It's amazing to look at. And now you know why. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 1, you, you, you hear it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. It is so amazingly beautiful as, as that James Webb has just revealed such Beautiful aspects of the cosmos around us. No wonder we are so fascinated with the idea of traveling among the stars, sending out probes, exploring ourselves. I mean, we've been to the moon, and now there's a new race to return to the moon. Uh, we'll talk about that and some other sciencey stuff up next. Heather Zeiger joins us. She's a science writer, and she's also uh, with the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I like I geek out with her. I love science and she's so fun to talk to. She's up next on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. 
Well, again, good Wednesday morning. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio. And that music tells us it is Science Wednesday, which we do usually every other Wednesday with the help of Heather Zeiger, our smart, our smarty pants, as Carmen likes to say, Heather. You're, you're the smarty pants also with the, with the Center for uh, Bioethics and Human Dignity. Thank you again for joining us here on Faith Radio. Good to be here, Paul. It is so good to have you. And it's kind of an interesting time because, okay, over the weekend it was both sad, interesting. The Russians, they they launched a lunar mission, Luna 25, which unfortunately failed and ended up, instead of landing nicely, I think at the south pole of the moon, Mm -hmm. crashed. But this is part of a larger new space race, a race to the bottom of the moon. Um, What's going on here? Why such interest in the moon again? Yeah, so always keep in mind, like with space exploration, that we're talking about discovery and this side of the moon. So the south pole of the moon is the dark side of the moon and it's not well studied. uh, So there hasn't been any rovers or landings there. So it's not only about discovery, though, it's also about finding resources and it's also about global politics, right? Because Mm -hmm. whoever gets to get to the moon first gets to be the winner. So um, the big three countries historically or in the 20th century are russia us and china right and so all three of them are looking at trying to get to the south pole of the moon but then also europe was going to partner with russia on this um exploration but then they pulled out because of geopolitical reasons so and then japan and israel have also attempted to land a rover on that side of the moon the south pole portion of the moon uh but those did not work so and now you have india who may very well have a successful mission um they're planning to land their rover um tomorrow august 23rd so that's the plan for them and so we'll see if they get it so why is everyone trying to get to the south pole well it turns out that there's probably water on this portion of the moon. Now, of course, it this part of the moon gets to negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's super frozen water. Um, but the idea is that if they ever want to have a manned settlement or a manned station on the moon, the key thing you need is water. Also, water is used to fuel rockets and water can provide an oxygen supply. Remember, water is made of hydrogen and oxygen, and so it can provide some sort of oxygen supply. So there's a lot of reasons why people are interested in this part of the moon. Why is it so difficult to land there? Well, all of these craters where the water is sitting, uh, because it doesn't ever interact with the sun, so it never melts and evaporates away. Because remember, the moon has a very, very thin atmosphere, so sun rays get through very easily. Well, that, those same craters are also part of the problem. That side of the moon mm-hmm. is very rugged. It's very difficult to land. So India's first attempt in 2019 actually uh, crashed when it tried to land on this portion of the moon because it's just very difficult to navigate their new uh their new rocket their new rover has some better landing equipment and they have some backup systems in play just in case they run into trouble so we'll see if that one is successful here okay i keep thinking uh you know okay i grew up back in the 70s watching uh, Space 1999, Moon Base Alpha, and all that stuff. And Okay, we're, we're, hopefully none of that happens. But still, what's the purpose mm-hmm. of building a base on the moon other than just to say, hey, we're here? Yeah, well, one of the reasons is for deep space travel. So um, 
they want to, one of the things you're going to need to do for deep space travel is you're going to need to refuel and you're also going to need to use the moon's gravitational pull to kind of slingshot you into space because mm. it takes a lot of fuel and a lot of energy to get into deep space. Like when we look at images, we don't grasp the distances involved in getting to other parts of space, even to getting someplace like Mars. That would take a huge amount of time. But one of the ways that you can do this, and actually India is taking advantage of this. This is why India's mission is taking longer than Mars, or I'm sorry, than Russia's did. So Russia launched on August 11th. They planned to land on August 21st. India launched like mid-July. But what they did is they saved fuel by making their rocket orbit the Earth a couple of times to kind of use the Earth's gravity to then slingshot to the moon. And then the idea is that when you eventually go to deep space, you orbit the moon a few times and then use that gravity to slingshot it off of there and you actually conserve some fuel that way the mm. more fuel you have the bigger your rocket the bigger your rocket the harder it is to fly it ah that makes sense <laughs> Although this, again this will be interesting to see how happens with india and the u.s is i if i remember right still working on their missions to return to the moon as well so. Right. Those are those, they're Artemis missions. Right, so we've right. seen a couple of those and they're hoping by 2024 to actually have a manned mission to the moon. Oh, we're going to do it manned, not just a rover. Yeah, that's, that's the thought. That's yeah. the thought. We'll see. All right. Well, as we continue with Heather, now... This past weekend, it was kind of scary during the NFL game between the Packers and the Patriots. The game was suspended in the fourth quarter with still over 10 minutes to play because of an injury. Cornerback Isaiah Bolton from the Patriots took a hit from a team member. And it was it. a lot of people are thinking DeMar Hamlin again. Uh, okay, it wasn't the same type of hit, but still... These football injuries, uh, we're going to talk about that because, again, this deals with medical ethics, and that's one of the areas that Heather is an expert at. So we'll be talking with her about this and more in about about a minute and a half here on Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com. Or wherever you listen to podcasts, hit subscribe and have a great day. All right, I like football just as much as the next person, but I do get so concerned when I see people taking a hit like, well, like Isaiah Bolton did this past weekend during an NFL game. And again, seeing these people injured, it's hard. And there's so many concerns regarding concussions and other injuries and well i want to talk to heather zyger about that again heather joins us on uh, every other wednesday here on faith radio to talk science and also medical ethics bioethics and now heather you have a particular interest in in this area of of medic or well sports medicine and sports injury yeah so um about 10 years ago when i finished up my bioethics degree i had done my thesis on performance enhancement in sports. So mm -hmm. combining the chemistry with the bioethics. And the reason why I was interested in enhancement, so for two reasons, first of all, what is done at the professional level does tend to trickle down into the amateur, the collegiate and the high school levels. Right. Um, but also there's a human dignity component. You know, what are we asking athletes to do? Remember, this is a billion dollar industry 
where a lot of people in, in its most negative light, a lot of people are making a lot of money uh, from these young men, young men and women who uh, are being asked to do some pretty harsh things to their body. So in the case of football in particular, you have uh, these young guys who are playing a very rough sport. And yes, there's the element of fame. Yes, they do make money off of it. But remember, their careers end at best at age 40, sometimes younger. And so we have to ask, what are we ask? What what are these players doing? Are we doing everything to make these players safe? You know, is this purely for entertainment value? One of the things that I think about is, you know, sports is great. The Apostle Paul talks about sports. Uh, he mentions sports several times in his letters um, and, and in referring to cultivating a kind of virtue where you have discipline and uh, self-control and teamwork. There's lots of good things about sports. Mm-hmm. But I question what we're doing here, what dangers and harms we're causing in the name of, well, I mean, business and entertainment. And are we exploiting these young players? So Isaiah Bolden and Damar Hamlin's, both of their injuries were very serious. They were not necessarily, you know, when you watch a football game and you see a, a bad tackle, you know, sometimes you, they slow it down and you can see it. Both of theirs were not necessarily tackles that were out of the ordinary. They just happened to be from the right angle or right position and at just the right time to cause a serious injury. So this is something that I think ethicists, I think a lot of people are asking, you know, what are some better safety precautions we can take? where people can still appreciate the game. They can still play the game. We can keep a lot of the strategy and nuance of the game, but how can we protect these players from concussions, from traumatic brain injury, um, from debilitating uh, injuries, as well as uh, once they retire, long-term you know, cognitive injuries yeah. as well. Yeah, and that's a big one there. I keep going back. I've never watched the movie with Will Smith, Concussion, but it was a, a Christian doctor who brought attention to the concussion issue with the NFL. That, well, okay, they knew about it, I guess, but they weren't dealing with it, and he helped ratchet things up, so there was more stuff being done. But as you mentioned before, this is the professional level. Stuff like this has a way of trickling down to the collegiate and into the high school. We, a lot of us have kids who are playing football, or grandkids playing football uh, during, the, during the fall. And again, is this how do, how do you process it? As a parent, how do you help parents process it, I guess I should say? Well, one thing that schools are doing now is you're not allowed to play tackle football until a certain age. Right. And I have a feeling that that's going to continue to be a restriction. Uh, another thing that schools are doing now and that colleges are doing and the NFL has started implementing is during practices. Now they have specially designed helmets. They look kind of goofy, but they're actually specially designed for the position that you're playing mm-hmm. where they are padded in such a way that it diminishes um, impact. So your skull, what happens is your your brain is impacting against your skull. So it's going to diminish impact there mm-hmm. and soften that blow. So there are some things that are being done. Honestly, Paul, I do think that parents should ask good questions of the organization and of the coaches, you know, specific questions about like, what are you doing to ma- ensure that these uh, students are protected. Um, here in Texas, we have, we have 
rules about playing outdoors, having outdoor practices this time of year when it's mm -hmm. very hot, because oh, yeah. of course uh, there have been problems with that where we're leading up to football season. And of course, high school football is a big deal here. And, you know, you're not allowed to practice however long outside in the summer, you know, only certain times. So these are, these are questions that I think parents should ask. They should keep their, keep the organization accountable. Uh, they should have good discussions with their student and with their athlete um, as far as, as far as, you know, what, what are their goals and what sports do they want to play? Um, there was a recent study that came out. This was just the other day and it showed a correlation uh, between CTE, so that's traumatic brain injury, yep. and Parkinson's later in life. Mm. And it said that the biggest correlation was among amateur athletes who played for a long time. Ah, interesting. And so that's an issue because like the professional athletes have equipment and stuff that can protect them. It's the amateur athletes who played for a long time that actually showed the highest uh, incidence of traumatic brain, brain. injury. Yeah. yeah, traumatic impact with uh, correlated to increase incidence of Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So that's also uh, something that I think we need to think about is what happens at the professional level does impact, make a difference to the amateur and collegiate and high school levels. Again, we're talking with Heather Zeiger, our resident science smarty pants, as Carmen likes to say. We have just a couple more moment, moments and I want to hit on this because, well, as we were preparing for our conversation, I got introduced to a new term, stembryology. Because th there's a move right now to redefine what a human embryo is because of scientific advances. Now, give us a real quick summary and the, and the uh, well, the bioethical concerns, especially from a Christian perspective. Yeah, so stembryology, first of all, this is kind of combining stem cells and bioengineering. And so what happened was last, uh, last summer, I guess earlier in June, scientists were able to take stem cells and these are stem cells that are from adults from human skin cells so these are ethically sourced stem cells but they're able to do a bunch of finagling and these stem cells can then grow into globs of cells that behave very much like an embryo and scientists are interested in doing this so that they can study diseases that are caused developmental diseases and see what happens in those early embryonic stages um, that might produce these developmental diseases. And they also want to study causes of infertility. So their reasons for doing this are understandable. And they also want to do this in a way that isn't as morally um, fraught as using actual embryos. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you're in the United States, for example, you're not allowed to create an embryo solely for research purposes. Um, the government will not fund that. There's a lot of rules and regulations about researching embryos, um, even donation through IVF. That's still problematic. That's difficult. Lots of regulations. So this is a way to study embryonic development. And in one sense, in a more ethical way, you're not dealing with real embryos, but these entities are so similar to embryos that it's starting to raise some very thorny ethical mm -hmm. questions. Yeah, can, so, can they survive beyond the embryonic stage is one that I want to know. Yes. So that's what the authors of this, um, and it is, it's the journal Cell, and they, they wrote this perspective article, and they work in this field. And honestly, they just want clear guidelines so they don't break any rules. 
That's what, so because the definition of an embryo is kind of ambiguous, it's a little different in different countries. So some definitions say if it can grow into a fetus. So what it becomes is, is the definition, not how you made it, but what it becomes. So even if you make a cloned, even if you make a clone like Dolly the sheep, if it can grow into a sheep, okay, so that was an embryo. Um, others say the definition is based on what you did or what features it has. So because there's a little difference here, these scientists are like, we want some clear guidelines. Mm -hmm. We don't want public backlash. We don't want to accidentally cross a line and land in jail. We don't want to lose funding because of ambiguous laws and definitions. So in that sense, they are, I mean, I think that's fair. They're calling for clear guidelines, uh, in particular, when it's non-government funding, they want to know, well, what do we call an embryo? What do we not? I will tell you right now, these entities, these globs of cells, right now, they cannot become a, a fetus. Okay. So one of the proposals is that if an embryo can survive for the equivalent of eight weeks into a pregnancy, so given all of the elements that would um, allow the embryo to live, if it can survive eight weeks into a pregnancy, it should be considered an embryo. Um, so all the experimental restrictions apply. The current entities cannot survive a pregnancy. So they are okay. technically not an embryo. And everybody, everybody is saying these are not, these are not going to survive eight weeks. Having said that, these scientists are like, but yeah, but the direction that they're going, what if we do make something that yeah. can do that? That's definitely, Where is the line? Yeah, that's something we definitely have to uh, keep an eye on. We are out of time, but Heather, thank you so much. Uh, again, thanks for your part in helping us understand and parse all these scientific things here on Faith Radio. Sure, glad to be here, Paul. Again, this is Mornings with Carmen. Here's Breakpoint. Okay, I misspoke a little earlier, uh, both uh, both Heather Zager and I did, because the lunar landing by the Indian Space Agency is going on even as we speak. As a matter of fact, let me click over. Uh, some people are clapping. I'm looking at the live feed. I think they may have had it land. Yeah. So anyway, congratulations to them because Russia tried, as you heard, and didn't go too well this past weekend. Hey, I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Mornings with Carmen. And coming up next, now, I, I mentioned this at the start of the show, our Growing Your Faith verse of the day has to do with that popular, well-known verse in Scripture, train up a child in the way they should. Or, okay, I'll, let me give you the verse as we have it on our website, is which is direct your children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Sometimes they veer off. Sometimes you're pulling your hair out. But again, planting God's Word in them will hopefully bear fruit. And it did for our next guest, Justin Gambino. He's a Christian musician. He has a new album coming out this weekend, and we're going to talk to him about that and the story of his life. That's coming up here on Faith Radio. So appropriate we have a guitar playing here right now because we're going to talk to a guitarist who's quite good and a singer, a Christian musician, but also a guy who can say, but God. Hopefully that's part of your story, too, in your life. You've seen where God has worked in your heart when you were going the other way, because we are so prone to wander. Lord, we feel it's so prone to leave the God we love. Joining me now is Justin Gambino. Maybe you've heard of him. He's got a second album coming out. Uh, Justin, it's called Made New, right? That's right. That's right. Thanks for having me this morning. Oh, I think, we, I think we're going to have to give you a call on phone. 
uh, because we're having a little garbled sound there from you. So uh, tell you what, we're going to switch over to the phone while uh, while Ben does that. I'll just again, again, remind people about going to our website, MyFaithRadio.com, because this is the month we're giving away 100 copies of Susie Larson's new book, Closer Than Your Next Breath. Uh, all you have to do is go to MyFaithRadio.com to sign up because, again, we're all, this month as we focus on God's presence, sometimes it can be fleeting to feel that. And if you're kind of in that place wondering, God, where are you right now? Where are you? Well, he's there. He's there. So, again, go to MyFaithRadio.com, sign up. We have 100 copies thanks to W Publishing we're giving away. Sign up to hopefully win a copy yourself, again, at MyFaithRadio.com. Also, another thing you can do is uh, text the word CLOSER, because also Susie would like to directly message you with some encouragement as you're seeking a closer walk with Jesus. Text the word CLOSER to 877-933-2484. Let's see if Justin is on the phone right now. Hey, I can hear you. Can you? I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Are you... <laughs> yeah, good. Well, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. But again, you uh, you have the, your new album coming out, and the reason I wanted to talk with you is I saw your testimony. And mm, yeah. you, you, as we talk about God working in a life, because it, and it, it's, it's, okay, let's just get to the story, because again, you were brought up in a Christian home. Tell us about your upbringing. Yeah, man, I I, I was born and raised in church. I mean, like, it was you know, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, if the youth group was doing something on a Friday night, like there was no other option but to attend like that. That's just how we were raised. And, uh, you know, I mean, just there were no, there was no sleeping in on Sundays <laughs> in the Gambino household. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, even at an early age, um, I told my mom and my dad, I was like, I want, I love Jesus and I want to be saved. And, and I think then for me, it was more so of like seeing my friends giving their life to Jesus. And I was, I was seven years old at that time and, uh, got baptized at an early age. And, um, and that's around the time, like, I mean, my mom would tell you this because she remembers it. I don't, but I would show up at church with my Bible and I'd strum on it like a, like it was a guitar. Uh And that was as early as, um, five years old, but I don't remember that. And then, but it wasn't until 15 years old that I got my first guitar mm-hmm. and started getting plugged into, you know, the Sunday morning worship, Sunday evening worship, Wednesday night worship. I mean, I, that guitar was always in my hands, but you know, at, 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 at the age of 15, you think, you think I'm writing songs for Jesus. No, I was, I was writing songs to impress girls and, <laughs> and trying to, and trying to impress my girlfriends at that time. And so even at an early age of 15, like that's when I first got my, um, I got my first job yeah. at the age of 15. So I started getting introduced to different, you know, I was homeschooled my whole life. So yeah. I, I started getting introduced to a different group of people, people that were raised differently, spoke differently, acted differently. Yeah, and uh, yeah. got a little taste of the world and yeah. started started getting uh, you know and you know mixed up with the wrong people, yeah. partying, drinking. Uh, yeah, before we get to that, Justin, I want to yeah, back up just a little bit because yeah, part of the ahead. story you mentioned you were strumming on the Bible when you were five, mm-hmm. like it was a guitar. For me, yeah. you know, I grew up on a I grew up on a dairy farm, and I was using a pitchfork that way. But Ooh, yeah, okay. you know, you, know you, you hold it right. It's not going to hurt you. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. But that said, initially, 
you weren't playing guitar. Your parents were trying to have you do a different instrument. Yeah, they around the age of eight or nine, they, they started uh, putting me in piano lessons, and I hated it. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is not what I want to do. And uh, the piano teacher, after a couple weeks, the piano teacher, he pulled my mom and dad aside, and he said, listen, he, you may not know it, and he definitely doesn't know it, but the kid's a musician. Hmm. So this and, teacher uh, saw it? He saw it at the age of, I can't remember if I was eight or nine, and then it was around the time that my, my best friend um, was, he got, he got a guitar. Mm-hmm. And I, I, every time I'd go over to his house, I drove him nuts with the two chords and one strum pattern that he taught me. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point he, uh, he, he complained to his mom. His mom told my mom, and she said, maybe you should think about getting Justin a guitar. And, um, but yeah, that piano teacher, he said, you know, the kid's going to be a musician whenever, whenever he finds his instrument, nurture yeah. that. The reason I bring it up, getting back to that verse we were talking about earlier today about training yeah. up a child in the way they should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Seeing your child's giftedness, and I'm glad your music teacher saw that, because mm, yeah. even though other people didn't see it, he, he had the trained eye. It's like, oh, he's, he's a musician. It's just not, his piano is, piano's not his thing. He he needs mm-hmm. something else, and you found your he, you found your instrument, you found your voice, and hopefully, and your parents also shepherded that to a degree. I can see, which is great. Yeah, they sure did. I mean, they they didn't hesitate um, one bit to to get me my first guitar that that Christmas, mm. and I I mean I I pretty much made my fingers bleed learning that <laughs> you know self teaching myself that guitar. Well, let's go forward just a little bit. You were, you were getting to your teen years, and okay, yeah. when you, it, it's that time where you know, you're, you're stretching your legs and you're developing other relationships, and those relationships started mm-hmm. taking you in bad places. Tell that story now. Yeah, so at the age of 15, I get my first job and start start getting introduced to different, different groups of people um, and um, started working... I don't know. It was, you know, it was part-time. You know, a 15-year-old can't work that much, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, 20, 25 hours a week maybe. And uh, and so then this group of people, they, I start getting invited to, to parties. I start getting invited to, you know, uh, I mean, it could be as innocent as, a, you know, homecoming dance, you know, but I start getting introduced to other people and the people I'm hanging out with start partying, drinking, uh, started getting addicted to pornography, uh, having having sex with wh- whoever. You know, I mean, it was just this. Uh, it was just this downward spiraling, you know, season of my life where it was just like I just got a taste of the world and didn't really know what to do with it, and so I just yearned for it more and more. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the age of, let's see, fast forward a couple years. Um, cause you know, it was only like a two or three, two or three year, um, uh, time frame whenever I started getting introduced to that before I found myself getting <laughs> judged for what I had done wrong because mm-hmm. what I was hanging out with, we started breaking into places, started really breaking the law. And, uh, we had broken into an establishment and stole a bunch of money. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm only like two months after I graduated high school just turned 18 and I'm standing in a courtroom getting getting Mm. judged for what I did wrong. And that was, that was my, uh, my first wake up call. Now, what did the judge, I mean, when he, 
when you were in front of him, this is a first offense, or at least when you got caught. And yeah. what did he do? Well, he he looked down at what he was looking at on his podium, and he looked at me and said, he said, son, I'm, I'm trying to find a record. It does, just doesn't exist. I've never seen you before. Um, you know, this is your first time doing this, or it's your first time getting caught. And uh, why don't you why don't you tell me about yourself a little bit? I mean, what judge does that? Mm-hmm. You know, and he he starts asking me questions like, how many siblings do you have? And uh, which I was I'm I'm one of six. I'm right in the middle. He starts asking questions like, you know, does both your mom and dad work, or is it just your dad? So we'll judge my my mom homeschools us all, and my dad works, and so. You know, you could just see and almost hear those gears turning in his head. And that's when he said, this is what I'm going to do for you. And um, I just, he, he said, I, I want you to be sure to do all the community service. I'm going to sign you up for it. It's going to be a lot of community service. You're mm-hmm. still going to have to go down to the jail today, get your fingerprints taken, get, get your mug shot taken. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be comfortable. And then if you will join a branch of military then I will. Uh, you won't. You won't be hit with a felony today. It will be a misdemeanor. Mm, okay. And it was. It was. Man, I took that in a heartbeat. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I remember the last question he asked me. He said, did you, "Did you learn your lesson today?" And I said, "Yes." And he slammed that hammer down. It made me jump in my skin. Oh. And um, and that's whenever I knew I was like, well, that the the next, you know season of my life is going to be a little bit different. I thought I thought my hopes and dreams of doing music was just long gone. Mm-hmm. Well, tell you what, Justin, we have to put a thumb, or at least put a little tab or a bookmark in the story of your life here. Uh, we're going to get back, and I, I want to put a tab by the judge, because we're going to get back to him in a bit here. But we have to take a break. We're talking with Justin Gambino, musician. His new album comes out this weekend, second album, uh, sophomore project, right? Anyway, that made new, and you can check that out. Uh, JustinGambino.com is the website, correct? Yes, yes. All right. Well, we'll continue talking with Justin and see where God takes him. This is Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. But God, kind of what we're focusing on in the story, the life of Justin Gambino, who joins us now, a Christian musician. Again, his new album called May New comes out this uh, this Friday. And we were talking with Justin, who, okay, Justin, your life you, as a teenager, as a just turned adult, you are in, you know, you're you're brought before a judge because of some crimes, and then he says, join the military, and I'll let you off on a misdemeanor. So, what'd you do? Uh, you know, one thing that the judge didn't know is before all this had taken place, um, I was going to join the Navy with a friend of mine, and then he backed out. He decided not to go in, so I backed out. So at that point, whenever I was standing before the judge, I had 
gone through all the testing, ASVAB testing, all that good stuff. I, the only thing I needed to do was sign the dotted line, and mm-hmm. I, I decided not to go in. And then this offense was the fire under my rear to sign that dotted line. I went back to that recruiter's office and signed up for eight years in the Navy Seabees. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was 2005. And then 2007, I found myself in Iraq fighting for the very freedom that I took for granted just a couple of years before. And that, you know, I look back now and I see just how much God was pursuing me. I didn't think of it then because, you know, I'm maybe halfway through my deployment and it was on a Wednesday night. I decided to attend a chapel service there on, on base. And man, it was like a, a group of 10 people maybe. Hmm. And the, the first night I'm there on base in Iraq, thousands of miles from home, the chaplain asked, does anyone have any experience leading worship and playing guitar? We don't have, we don't have anybody to lead worship. And I'm thinking, I am not raising my hand. I'm not doing it. And, uh, and so next thing I know, I'm, the guy's looking at me because I'm over here raising my hand. And, and, and God moved it. God, the Holy spirit lifted my hand. I don't know what it was. It was in my head. I was saying, I'm not raising my hand. And so the next thing I know, I call my dad. Um, call my dad and ask him to send me my guitar that they got me for Christmas at mm-hmm. the age of 15. And I'm over there just leading worship and, you know, came home from that tour thinking that all my problems and addictions was going to stay there in Iraq. And they, they didn't, they followed me right back home. You see God working, but you're also struggling with, again, all the stuff that's been hounding you. Um, yeah. What yeah. finally, I mean, getting over PTSD or at least learning to manage it in many cases is something, mm-hmm. but what yeah. was the thing that finally got you calling out to God? Well, it was, it was a, um, an ex-girlfriend's stepdad that was hosting a, a Friday night Bible study. That's what really got me plugged back in um, with community and fellowship and, and just really learning to trust the Lord. Um, and so, and then there was that other opportunity. He was like, Hey, you want to help me lead worship for this Friday night Bible study? And I was like, and this was after we had already, uh, his stepdaughter and I broke up and I was like, I really don't want to go to my ex-girlfriend's, you know, house. And he was like, she she doesn't live here anymore. It's fine. You know, it's not going to be awkward. And I'm like, this is so going to be awkward, but it wasn't. And, um, and just, I, every Friday night I was getting plugged in with community and fellowship and, and leading worship and my relationship with the Lord started deepening, but I was still struggling with all these mm-hmm. things. And so, um, but man, just in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of, you know, all that, it was, it was showing up mm-hmm. for me is what showing, showing up at the feet of, at, at the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus every Friday, like, even though sometimes I didn't feel like it. And, um, God, so, and then, and then I, that's when I started writing songs for the Lord. Mm-hmm. I started, I started, you know, sharing them at the Bible study door started opening to share that those songs at churches and then festivals and then house concerts. It just started just going yeah, and going and going. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward to 2020 when we know what all happened in 2020. Oh yeah. Um, something about, uh, uh, pandemic. Yeah. That little thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's whenever I really, really learned to wait on the Lord. I started, I started to learn. I haven't learned fully learned, but to wait on the Lord and just, um, you know, just be still 
mm-hmm. in the midst of chaos. Because of times, you have to do a real quick jump here because your career was taking yeah. off and then the pandemic hit. And, I mean, you, you've been touring with some, you know, Casting Crowns and others. You, you were doing great there. But all of a sudden, everything's put on hold. And then God... Everything's put on hold. Yeah. But then God prompts in you to do something really strange. To yep. lead a revival on the steps in the front yard of the courthouse. The, the very one you were... Um, you were incarcerated, well, you know, sentenced in, and you resisted that, didn't you? I did. I did. I was in, I was in Salt Lake City on tour in the face of the pandemic, whenever the Lord said, I want you to go home, do a revival and not worship at your, uh, in your hometown. I said, I'm all in Lord. What's the venue? He said, the courthouse. I said, forget it. (laughs) I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so there was like this, you know, back and forth with me and the Lord. And finally, whenever I said, yes, um, I tried the easy way out to, to ask the mayor and he said, I think that's up to the judge. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe it's a different judge. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was judge Sebesta that judged me back in 2004. It was judge Sebesta that, that, that said yes. And now this December will be the fourth annual wow. revival in my hometown. Mm. So it, it's amazing how God will do this. I mean, I have a few dates in my life that God has, there was something bad happened and then something turned around and something good. It's like redeeming that day. Yeah. God redeemed, oh, redeemed that yeah. location in your life. I got to ask he you, did. we only have like a minute. I got to ask you one more question. Yeah. Because again, as we're talking about training up a child in the way she go, you, you probably, you probably frosted your parents' hair for free, but, <laughs> but, um, they were praying for you during this whole time, I assume. Oh, yeah. I, and I remember that first night we did the revival. My mom came up to me, just tears in her eyes, and she said, you know, just seeing this full circle story, like I can't tell you how much it just just blesses my heart to see you up there, you know, 16 years later after you got judged. And, you know, I, I shared that from the stage. I've been sharing it from the stage every night this tour. Mm. It's just been, it's been very therapeutic. It's been very um, freeing. It's been amazing. God redeems. God redeems. Hey, Hey, Justin Gambino, thank you for joining us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. So appreciate your story and your testimony. Thank you for having me. Oh, blessings. This is Faith Radio. Well, as you pray the news today, and I hope you do that, Pray for tonight, because again, there's the big debate happening in, well, is it all that big? In, In the grand scheme of God's world. What happens right now, I know we get tied up with this stuff, but remember, have the God eye view when the presidential debate goes on tonight in, in, in Wisconsin. Again, remember, we're part of a big kingdom, the kingdom of God that will one day be fully here. So let's keep that in mind at all times. You know, I was really reflecting a lot on our verse today, especially as we're talking with uh, Justin Gambino, our Growing Your Faith verse. Remember, you can sign up for those at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll send you in email every morning a beautiful scripture graphic that has that verse to help you meditate on it. Maybe while you're listening to Carmen, talk about it. Yeah. Well, as you get out in the day, remember the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go go be shiny, as Carmen says. Go be shiny. Show people the love of Jesus. Live it out in all you do. Have a great day.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.